A reading from the fourth chapter of Hebrews, beginning with the twelfth verse. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Reading from the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with verse 17. As Jesus started on His way, a man ran up to Him and fell on His knees before Him. Good teacher, He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call Me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to His disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at His words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. 
Then Peter spoke up and said, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last, first. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I would remind you that immediately prior to that reading, Jesus says essentially that in order to enter the kingdom of God, we must receive it as a little child. In other words, we must receive it as a person who had no value in that society, as a person who couldn't afford to buy their way in, as a person who received it as a free gift. But that doesn't make what I just read to you any less troublesome, does it? That's a troublesome piece of Scripture. It flies in the face of everything we Americans have been led to think that building extravagant wealth is the backbone of our society. It's the glue of happiness and the marker of success. And if we believe that the purpose of life is to accrue wealth and fishing rods, then this text should make us dreadfully uncomfortable. We may excuse the story saying, but I'm not rich. Jesus isn't referring to me. But the truth is, if we have more than we absolutely need to flourish, He is, in fact, talking to us. In comparison with much of the world, we are rich. Maybe not in our own eyes, but to a kid who's living on gas station hot dogs. Jesus all his mother can afford other than the school lunch. That kid thinks we're rich. A person living out of their car thinks we are rich. Some of us do struggle and have difficulty making ends, but not compared to the most of the world. Compared to the most of the world, we're pretty comfortable. And as I read today's story this week, I kept reminding myself that I have a pretty comfortable life, and that made me uncomfortable as I heard Jesus say to this young man, Give away what you have and follow me. And I thought to myself, but surely Jesus isn't talking about fishing stuff and boats and deer hunting equipment. There was a local charity that had never received a contribution from the town's banker. So the directory of that charity thought that she should give the banker a phone call. She called him up. And after some pleasantries, she said, You know, I've heard this week that you make $500,000 a year, but you haven't given a penny to help anyone in our charity. And what's worse, you're on the board of directors. And she said to him, Why would you not want to help your own community? And the banker replied, I guess you've done some research on me, have you? He said, did your research show that my mother is deathly ill with very expensive medical bills? And she said, well, no. He said, did your research show that my 
blind brother is blind and unemployed that my sister's husband died leaving her broke with five kids. Did your research show that? And so she started feeling bad and she said, well, I had no idea. And the banker said, well, if I didn't give them any money, what makes you think I'm going to help you? <laughs> Was that better, Lamar? We laugh at jokes like that because we recognize that there's truth in them and they make us uncomfortable and we laugh because we're uncomfortable. Because that story about that banker makes us wonder what we've given to anyone else, what we are hoarding for ourselves. Who do we live for? What is our purpose? What are we up to? We might live in that same tension that that banker was feeling when he said that to that woman. As we wonder, why have we not given? And we might say, well, I got this and this going on, but we know that we're just making excuses. A few weeks ago, I asked you a very important question. And I know you're not used to talking to preachers yet, but you'll get better at it, I promise. I asked you if you were in love with Jesus. Do you remember your answer? What would you say today, church? Are you in love with Jesus? I am. Anybody brave enough to say yes? Well, I have another important question for you today. Have you faith in Jesus? Is Jesus who you trust? What do you say, church? Do you have faith in Christ? Boy, I love to hear that. Today's gospel lesson is a good litmus test for that faith. We can all get caught up in the idea if we just save enough money, hoard enough money, we can live comfortably for the rest of our lives. For some of us, that means we'd have to die earlier than others. But still, comfort is what's sold to us, right? Save, 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 save so you can enjoy the last ten years of your life. <laughs> Makes no sense. But that's what we're told to do. And we're chasing after living comfortably and we're missing living sometimes. And so we enter into this hard question where we're forced to think about our relationship to our neighbor. And that's what exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. To live for others the way he's lived for us, which is giving himself for us. Do you hear that? Jesus didn't go to a luxury resort and invite us to follow him. Jesus went to a cross and died. And invite us to follow him to go and die which is what Sawyer comes to do today. This is all very threatening. Jesus asked the young man to give up his security, to sell his possessions and give the money to the poor, likely people that he had never even thought about doing anything for. And he asked him that because he had great wealth and he simply didn't want to give it up. He hung his face. He was sad. And that's, this text might cause tension for us too because I was, I was told one time, Preacher, we don't want people messing with our money, especially Jesus. People say, easy, Preacher. Easy. Not too many sermons on money. Some people say that Jesus isn't talking just to this young man. But he's talking to everybody who would follow him. 
But he's only talking to this man about money because he's money sick. He loves money more than he would ever ponder the possibility that he could love God or especially love this man named Jesus. And what he needs is to be healed from that sickness. And that everybody else in the Gospel of Mark comes to Jesus for healing and they come and they kneel. They ask for healing. And that's what this young man is doing. He's coming and he's asking for healing. So that he could inherit eternal life. But what Jesus tells him is that in order to be healed, he has to give up the thing that matters most to him. And he's not willing to do it. That could be exactly what's happening here. The details in this story might not apply exactly to us, but we all have things that hinder us from following Jesus. Most often it's pride. We don't want someone to think, us, think of us as a ridiculous zealot. We don't want someone to think of us as one of those people who's all into Jesus and stuff. Well, what are you into? If Jesus doesn't excite you and fuel your passions, what in the world can? But none of this is easy. The young man's response becomes kind of a test to show us whether we have faith in Jesus or not because sooner or later Jesus will ask us to do something or go somewhere or go to someone or love someone that we don't want to love. And then the question becomes, is Jesus Lord or are we Lord? Does our opinion matter first or does the opinion of Jesus matter? Does what we want matter or you get the point? We should all be concerned enough when we hear this to in our own prayers say, Jesus, Lord, what is it that you've asked me to do that I've refused because I don't truly love you and I don't truly have faith in you? I know I said it in church today, Lord, but... When I examine my life, it looks like I live only for myself. And the truth is, I trust other things more than you. I know what that's like. I promise you I do. I once walked into a district superintendent's office and sat down at his desk and he put in front of me a profile of an appointment and I was either accepting it that day or I was just going to stay an architect. And he showed me the ministerial support form and my heart sank at how much money I was going to be losing. And suddenly I was this man in this story. Jesus calling, saying, Give yourself and come follow me. It's hard. I went home, got out a legal pad, crunched numbers to see if it was possible. <laughs> Which is funny, isn't it? Because didn't Jesus say that with God all things are possible? That's a confession of sorts. Could I really do it? Could I really give up that much money to go and be criticized for everything I do? What y'all laughing at? <laughs> y'all have heard them stories, haven't you? I sometimes wonder, why would anybody want to do this? But your life's not indifferent from that. Don't you face criticism for your faith in Christ sometimes? 
Do you not sometimes have somebody say, Stick up for yourself. Be a man. When Jesus said, Turn the other cheek. Let them nail you to a cross. Follow me. It's hard. But that's what's in front of us in this text. Not an easy decision, but a decision to give up everything we are and everything we have because Jesus is flipping worth it. Nothing in this world holds a candle to being in Christ. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. Nothing. Not a thing in this world makes me happier than Jesus. Not even fishing. I think sometimes the reason fishing makes me happy is because I think about Jesus when I'm fishing. People, there's nothing in this life that's not worth giving away to have Christ. That's what's in front of us today. Are we content to live our lives for ourselves, content to ignore the suffering of others, content to just sit around and not really follow Jesus, to show up in church and say, oh, I believe, preacher. But it doesn't show up in my life. I haven't said the name Jesus since last Sunday. How many of us would be guilty of that? It's hard. Jesus is calling us to take up a cross and follow him. And the young man didn't want nothing to do with a cross. And that's the core of this text. The fullness of the gospel is that Christ is saving us and changing us. That we're God's workmanship prepared in advance for the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And this question asks ourselves, are we willing to give up everything and follow Him and be changed, walk into new life and serve Him in new and wonderful ways? Or do we just want to settle for what we got, say we love Jesus when truly it's all just lip service and other things are more important? My God, if Jesus was important as Christians as flipping college football, this world would be different. Do you hear what I'm saying? It drives the pastor crazy. We can't come to worship. We're going to the game. <laughs> well, you're going to worship something. I know I'm stepping on toes. You can hate me later. It's okay. We need to think about these things, church. We have a role to play in the world. A purpose to make disciples. Which means to make people whose lives are being radically changed by the living Christ. This is no game for people who want to ride the bench and say, well, I wrote a check. This is about life changing, living, and doing things for Jesus and giving up on the idea that this life is about us. That's why the young man hung his head and walked away. And that's why, frankly, a lot of Jesus' followers hung their head and walked away at various other times in his ministry. He's not asking too much of us. He's actually asking what we really need. What we really need is to abandon our trust and desire for stuff and walk into trust and desire for Jesus. So if this text causes you to struggle, I want you to know it causes me to struggle. I share that with you. I know what it is to have my faith tested. 
for it to seem hard to live up to Jesus' teachings. But I also want to remind you of one more thing about this text. It's about inheriting the kingdom of God, not buying it. Not earning it by your behavior, but inheriting it. And the way we inherit it is to follow the one who will give it to us. To put our trust in Him. And one more thing. When Jesus looked at this young man and said those words to him, we're told that he looked at him and loved him. So what Jesus is saying to us today and challenging us on is the challenge that comes from the love that Christ has for us that wants us to be everything that he has called us to be and not to be hindered by any sickness, especially the love of money. But I can see why his disciples said, Lord, who can be saved? Because like the rich young man, they had things in their lives that they didn't want to give up. But the good news for us is Jesus said, with y'all, it's impossible. With David, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It is, dear one, it is possible for you to surrender your life to the risen Christ. I promise you that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.